0: all right, you ready? You want the meat? You want the secret? You want the shadows? This is special. I was interviewed by a dear friend that I trust deeply, and he went straight to the core about the true secrets of mindset, integration, breakthrough, reinventing yourself. And I literally share step-by-step how I did it, how I reinvented myself over and over. And literally, it's the reason I opened the Alliance. And so if you haven't heard about the Alliance or You want to be in the alliance or you're curious trust me it's worth asking it's less than a cup of coffee a month just shoot us an instagram dm that says alliance because it's relatable and we're here to be your teammate in this so without further ado we'll keep this short 30 seconds this episode's a banger enjoy let me know if you have any questions and i'll see you in the show are you ready to ethically scale your business good because this is the mind of george podcast where relationships beat algorithms and depth is the only direction when it comes to ethically scaling your business. Each Monday and Friday, I'll be the guy between your ears in the hoodie and pink shoes guiding you home, giving you the tools to extract, honor, and amplify your genius so you can be the light for your customers. Sound fabulous? Cool. Let's get into the episode. On paper, George was the best digital marketing consultant in the world. Unlimited waiting list, bank account flowing, multiple houses, mountain million dollar house, multiple cars, horses. By May of 2020, right around when I got that clarity, it was all gone.
1: Once you said your ego was wrapped up in your identity that was keeping you disconnected from yourself. Now, anyone anyone who listens to this podcast knows that it is truly about the relationship with ourselves first, and the inner work is a big picture that we tend to leave last. So could you dive into that? I love that. It's like your ego. Okay. So what was the ego keeping you trapped from?
0: Yeah. So, oh, Jesus. I love you already. (laughs) Oh, my God. This is the best way for me to start my day. I just, I love this. I love this. Okay. So. Because I don't know a lot about your audience, I'm going to gauge my answer based on how you communicate and speak and how you framed it for them. So um, I'll give context because it will help me answer this and how I got to this point. Yeah, right? the context it include... of you
1: is all I want to talk about.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we'll just we'll rip open the backstory to answer that question of like how I found My identity wrapped in my ego and the way it represented itself and how later I realized that they were all these new addictions that I was justifying so I could hide in plain sight and have evidence to use to basically justify disconnected behaviors. And through many, many, many painful, and I mean very painful that I now love with all of my heart lessons... And a whole lot of <laughs> being able to sit still mm. in a chair with no agenda and love every second of it and be okay if it lasted forever. And that is a muscle I still flex today, but it took series of painful moments and, and stillness practices of three years. Mm. And I'm talking the same question on the top of the piece of paper every morning, every lunch. Every dinner, every moment I was, every shower, every bath, every hike, every workout, every drive in silence, waiting and waiting and waiting. And in hindsight, I wasn't waiting for clarity. I was waiting for evidence to trust myself enough to know that when I stepped in that direction, I was going to do it from a place of love and not for the wrong reasons. Uh And so for the first time in my life, I knew that I was doing the work that I wanted to do that was also aligned with being the man I wanted to be. When I started seeing all my friends again and they're like, how are you? You seem so happy, how are things going? And then I filled them in on the story and they were so mad at me because I didn't tell them or call them or text them when I was in those, like, darkest and darkest and darkest shadows. And every one of them, I was like, can I swear on your podcast? For okay. Everyone, I'm like, hey, you selfish motherfuckers. Stop for a minute. Why are you making this about you? And they were like, huh? And I was like, you do realize that all the coaching you've all given me over the years I just put into practice because none of you knew any of that happened, which means I didn't come crawling and running. I didn't come looking for false empathy. I didn't come to tell a story so that I could avoid doing the work just because I couldn't sit with the emotions. I literally didn't come looking for the answer on how to fix it. I didn't even come run my new ideas by any of I of you. So I had to fully trust myself and make some very hard decisions. And then they were like, Oh shit. And then like one of my dear friends, like one of the deepest men in my life, soul brother, like numero uno man in my life, Stefano Sifondos. Mm -hmm. He is one of the greatest men coaches, consciousness, masculine, feminine integration, breath, trauma. And my best of best fucking friends and uh he is probably the only man that was ever able to safely hold a container for me and in one of those darkest of darkest moments which was and i can tell you the fucking time
1: (laughs) could you describe how that looked in field like the safest yeah
0: yeah yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna paint the picture of um where i was in my life and then I'll paint the picture of how Steph and I met and then how he created that container based on the whole context of the relationship, if that's okay.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. That will
0: help me. And then that will uh, answer all of these kind of questions that you started with. And I'll put all the pieces together because it's really, really funny how simple it is. Hmm. And I, I, I also,
1: I, I would love you to differentiate between silence and stillness because yes. you make a real big like point about silence and because w- we may get confused between the two does well, you know go for that
0: <laughs> yeah yeah and i i want to dance with you on that one too just so i make sure i unpack it right so the this is something i both love and hate saying i love saying it because i know it's a 100 true And I hate saying it because some people in their brain are going to instantly go to, yeah, whatever, he's full of shit. Nope, there's some magic answer. There's some magic button. There's some secret. Mike Tyson says it best. The magic you're looking for is in the work you won't do. Answered. Done. Right? And so I gave a keynote and I asked everybody in the audience. There were like 500 people. And I was like, everybody put your hand up if you've ever read a fortune cookie. And you can remember it right now, right? And like literally 95% of the audience's hands go up, right? And you're like, cool, right? I was like, all right, everybody put your hands down. I was like, how many of you read that fortune cookie over 10 years ago? And right now in this moment, wish you believed it, did it every day and realized that the life you currently dream about, you would have already had five years ago if you did it. And nervously, the hands start to go up And like 50, 60, 70% of the room's hands go up. I'm like, yeah, me fucking too. Me too. So let me tell you, it is not about knowing. It is only about integration. Mm -hmm. And you will learn more integrating consistently, realizing that being a human being requires constant action because even a state of presence is an activity. It is not passive. It is something you are continually... Choosing your radio dial to be present to every moment of every breath because your default state wants to turn off. And so it's simple. And that's how I'm going to frame this. So March of 2020, on paper and to the world, George was the best digital marketing consultant in the world. The Midas Touch every single business, right? Unlimited waiting list. Bank account flowing, right? Multiple houses, mountain, million-dollar house, multiple cars, horses. Like, just didn't matter what I tracked. And I was like, ah. And I was 88 pounds heavier than I am right now. And nobody knew or asked because I just wore the same black hoodie every single day that said, work harder. And nobody knew why I wore it. It was from Casey Neistat. But I've used environmental triggers and designs to create and hold myself accountable. And that, for me, meant work harder on being an integrous man. And every time I found a lie, every time I found an old habit, every time I found an old behavior. So it was a 3XL hoodie, but I wore it every day. And it was the only one I had. And I wore it every day as an anchor and a reminder. But I was so unhappy. My marriage was on the rocks, like, to the point we weren't speaking. It was horrible, horrible. We were literally in the territory of like we can't ever ever speak again, and it was dark. And so Stephanos, I met <laughs> at a John WineLand event in Mount Shasta, and so we were at a men's event with eighty-eight men for six days, <laughs> doing the fucking work, and I mean the work that like made Marine Corps boot camp for thirteen weeks feel like I would go back and do it again. That level of work is what it felt like. And in all randomness, I had no idea who Stephanos was. We ended up in a dyad, which is face-to-face, for those who don't know what a dyad is, when doing work, left eye to left eye, for eight hours, healing our father masculine wounds. And we're talking physical releases, fighting, emotional gestalt empty chair process holding cradling breathing embodiment with each other and so our relationship started like we were basically born together when we identified that we were also kind of the same man in paradigm belief habits behaviors story childhoods the next day at lunch one of Our mutual friends walked up and said, you two didn't know each other and looked at Steph and said, Steph, that's George Civilized Caveman. And George, that's Christine's boyfriend. And I was like, and I'd known his now wife for like 10 years. Yeah. And so then instantly this man, from the moment I met him, he knew me at the deepest level and we became instant friends. And every text, every phone call, every time I saw him, any moment I was leaky. He stopped me, held me accountable, loved me through it, helped me understand it, and then said, uh uh-uh, uh, no more, no more, no more back doors. This is it. This is how you have to live. And then created that standard for me to a level that I trusted him with my life inherently. And I've watched him do this with men and women and the way that he dances. He is one of my greatest teachers, friends, clients. We love dance together. And I just, that's how he gets me. And I called him one night because we were on the verge of cops on both sides and like literally not knowing what to do. Snowstorm, Mammoth, California, like horrible. And I was so upset. I walked out of the house in shorts, a t-shirt, barefoot in a snowstorm. And called Stephanos for 45 minutes walking outside. And for 40 of it, I remember this like it was yesterday. Yelling, screaming, vomiting like 30 times. Snot dripping down my face. Like more purging than an ayahuasca experience. That level of emotional distress. Like things I didn't feel in Afghanistan or Somalia. Like probably the deepest, rudest parts of my anger and sadness. Because I felt like I was losing everything. That I thought I wanted, that I thought I needed because I grew up homeless. And so Atomic Family Paradigm was me willing to reinvent myself as many millions of times possible to have it without really integrating the work. And so I dumped on Stephanos for 40 minutes and I will never forget this. And at the very end of it, all he said to me was sit with it longer, motherfucker, and hung up. And he is the only man and the only person that I could have heard that from. (laughs) And my nervous system instantly just surrendered and relaxed. And like, I somehow knew what he meant. And so the next day I put on my hiking shoes and I just started hiking. And I said, I was going to hike until I found clarity. So I hiked until I found clarity and it took like 33, 34 days. And one day I just stopped and sat on a rock. It's going to sound so weird. And it hit me. I need to launch my podcast. And I was like, why did I buy that microphone nine years ago? And in this process, because I was leaving the house every day and creating space for myself, I was releasing my emotions and my nervous system was able to have honest, safe conversations because I was off gassing and I wasn't being codependent and expecting somebody else to fix my emotions without me realizing in the moment that's what was happening. And so I was kind of creating my own structure and safety. And so in January of 2020, I was literally doing the best I ever was in business. And I mean, to a level I never thought I would achieve and like, you know, multiple, multiple high six figures and, uh, By May of 2020, right around when I got that clarity, it was all gone. All of it. COVID. Uh, Supplement company down the tubes in like 45 days because Amazon only. My mastermind was comprised of 80% of Amazon businesses. And so a giant mastermind paying multiple thousand dollars a month. And then almost all of them lost their companies because of the COVID restrictions. Warehouse has shut down. Amazon. Boom, boom, boom. So that's gone. And all my consulting contracts, no one had a marketing budget. Nobody knew what was going to happen. So that all closed. So we were literally like done.
1: Yeah. How much do you think were you shedding from that? And it was a, you probably could have saved it, but it was a shedding that was happening in and out.
0: What literally, I'm going to tell you right now, it's happened twice. It was 100% a shed. That is the looking back in the correlation of my healing awarenesses and integration points through breath work and my physical body journey and my uh, relationship journey with my wife and, and with my kids and reparenting myself and my plant medicine pieces. Like I I could literally almost at this point put the jigsaw puzzle together. And now what it feels like is okay motherfucker uh now that you know no more leaks no back doors and only you get to hold yourself accountable to this with nothing but love and nothing but grace and nothing but humility and the moment you think you know you're going to get punished and you're going to get humbled and remember you will be a forever student and that is the most healthy healthy safest place to be And that's what it feels like for me now and so he said that to me And on that day, I literally was like, holy shit, I'm going to launch a podcast. And in literally typical my fashion from survival, which every ounce of my success has been done this exact way. I have an idea. I don't have any agenda. I don't care who listens to it. I don't care what it's for. I'm just like, I need to do this. And then I start doing it and sharing it. And I just do it consistently. And I let it evolve into whatever it evolves into. And so I was like, I need to do three podcasts a week. Monday, I'm going to like talk about my mindset and what I'm focusing on. Wednesday, I'm going to talk about how I'm doing it because I need to hold myself accountable. And then Friday, I'm going to interview somebody that I know that's successful at doing this. So I can ask them the questions that I need free coaching on that I wouldn't be able to pay them 25 grand an hour for right now. But I happen to be friends with them because I've done nothing but make deposits in all of their lives for the last like eight years, because I've been trying to heal and be a good man. And I was just missing a few pieces. And so that started. And then I was like, well, I guess I should go back on social media. So I started a Facebook group, told people I was back and I had a very good reputation before I deleted a million followers and went off the internet, which I know you know about that. If you know Mm -hmm. anything about my story and, um, so very quickly, I had like 500 people in that Facebook group. And then the podcast didn't grow. Like, I, I'm four hundred 440 episodes in. I'm mm-hmm. two, like three, three plus years in. And we didn't start having our first like 3,000 download per week until like maybe six months ago. Like maybe. It was like 40, 40, 30, 20, 60. 60. Like, that was it. Like, there's no hockey sticks, mofos. None. It's about base hits, baby. And I guarantee you, I will outswing you all day, all, all day, because you swing too fucking hard and I don't ever get tired. And that was it. And so then, <laughs> so then the Facebook group opens and there's like 500 people, and I'm getting decimated in business, decimated. And so I'm like, I can't be the only one. And I'm like, but all everybody's doing is fucking complaining. And so then I was like, all right, cool. Everybody, let's get on Zoom. And of that 500 people, 100 people showed up. And I asked them questions. I was like, what's your problem? What's happening here? And I was like, oh, try this. This this is what I would do. Boom, 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 boom. And then I literally opened a Google document, shared it with them, and outlined it. And I was like, all right. So it sounds like we all need this. We all need this. We all need this. They're like, yeah, I'm like, I can record this into a course tomorrow. It's like 22 videos. If you guys want this, I'll do it. And like of the 100 people, they all said yes. And then I was like, all right, somebody pick a number that's fair and don't be disrespectful. Whatever (laughs) you pick, I'll do. They said 750 bucks. And then literally 86 of them paid me that night. And I recorded it the next day. And then I sold it. And then every question that they asked me, I went and I turned it into an ebook. And I went and published it on Amazon and gave it away for free. And it was called The Thrive Guide, How to Create a Stable Business in Unstable Times, no matter what the media tells you. And then I went and told everybody about it. And then I told them all that I had this course that was in this Google document. And I had a Loom video for them to watch as I explained the Google document and then a link to give me the money. And then my first product back, after losing everything, made three hundred and fifty grand in the first 30 days by just helping and helping and helping and helping. And then everyone's like, oh. And I was like, screw COVID rules. Anybody want to do an event? They're like, yeah. I'm like, I live in Montana. You want to come to it in person? They're like, yeah. I was like, great. Sweet. $800, $2,500 for VIP. Cap of 70. 70 tickets. New business is on the damn let's get back to work. And then we start building their businesses. I don't sell at my events. I don't let speakers sell at my events. You're not there to buy anything. You're there to implement this shit into your business because the faster you do that and get results, the faster we both win. And then you can pay me more money and then we can scale it bigger. And then we get to spend more time together, helping humanity and being the example and donating our time. And like, you know, like that's that's the game that we play. And so it literally like rebuilt my whole build, my whole business the same way that I had all the successes, you know, like kind of leading up to it. And so, you know, the, the thing that that was the hardest for me and, and the big distinctions, because we mentioned how that was all shedding the first shed was the, when I got out of the Marine Corps after 13 years, thinking that was my entire life and identity as you opened this question. That's getting a 30 minute answer to it. I apologize. I hope you're okay with this. Um,
1: are you okay with
0: this? Me answering this way, Yeah, man,
1: I know I, I had this expectation. So we're, we're going, okay. well, home. just,
0: just so you know, in human design, I'm a generator and I have to be asked a question to respond. Yeah. And I, then I'm it's... feeling
1: into that and I'm holding back a lot of questions, but it's, it's also, it's it's tuning into what's needed as well right now so okay cool it's good man no it's it's, cool
0: so with the with the question that you asked me with and how my ego was wrapped into my identity and this dance of not knowing what a shadow and light is and that i was trying to eradicate them instead of understanding that my job is to give them a cup of coffee and tell them to shut the fuck up and get back into their car seat right because they're 18 year old toddlers that's what my shadows are. That's what all those negative thoughts in my head are. They're just whiny little babies, but they're definitely a part of me, and I can't kick them out of the car. So I just tell them to have a cup of coffee and shut the fuck up, right? That's really, I think, how I define my life's purpose now is just keeping their seatbelts nice and tight. And if one of them grabs my face or rips my ears yelling too loudly, I just stick a pacifier in their mouth. And so with um with the Marine Corps, you know, my, my childhood was – the most beautiful life that i could have ever asked for because i i can tell you right now that i feel like i live in my purpose and i wouldn't trade it for the fucking world like nothing will stop me from doing what i do right now no matter what it looks like i just love helping people the way that i do Mm. and it's just integrous integration for people to realize how bright lights they are and that it's all of us helping each other that wins the game right like that's what it's about and so I wouldn't trade it for the world, but uh, I wouldn't wish it on anybody else either. And so, you know, it was it was dark, drug abuse, sexual abuse, uh, physical abuse, um, to the point where I felt safer at 13 to be homeless than I did to be in the home. And so I just went that way and unfortunately left my brother who was five years younger behind who got the brunt end of that stick as well, but I had to survive. And for whatever reason, I don't understand why. And maybe it was all the bullying because I was the only white kid in my class in West Hartford, Connecticut for four years. Uh, And so all my bullies were black and my front teeth were knocked out three times and my nose was broken twice. And my hair was cut off and I was tased and stabbed with keys and like things that like were hell. And then I moved into white suburbia because my parents couldn't afford a home. So I moved into my grandmother's home. And then I was bullied by white rich kids. And it was just boom, boom, boom. And so for whatever reason, I just didn't go to drugs, didn't go to alcohol, tried drinking a few times with the wrong crowd. And the moment I realized they were the wrong crowd, I never wanted to be around them again because they reminded me of my parents. And so then I just went to work at 13. I lied about my age. (laughs) I got a job a few jobs and I just kind of like couch surfed. I convinced like my closest friends that I just loved having sleepovers. And then I did everything I could to make their parents fall in love with me. Everything. Like I would literally clean the house and like pretend like I was invisible. And it got to a point where two lovely, lovely families basically kind of just never asked questions. But after about a year, one of them did and then that wasn't working. But then the other ones, they became aware but also never asked and just kind of silently supported me and introduced me to another life of possibility very humbly. And I I credit them with the reason I'm alive Um, to the point where I was able to make it. And I was like, get me the fuck out of here. And I was like, I'll join the Marine Corps. And for me, I was like, this is the hardest thing I can do. And I needed to prove to myself that I could do something. And so I did. And so that was my whole life. And so I had to be the best at boot camp graduated first, had to be the best at Marine combat training, graduated first, had to be the best at my school so I could pick where I went. Great. Got to where I wanted to go. Deployment came up. I'm like, I'll go. And so, you know, 13 months in Somalia and then I almost lose my legs and then was more scared of going back to that than I was of recovering. So they wanted to amputate him. Mm-hmm. I told them no. I went through six surgeries and living hell. Opiate addiction, was in a wheelchair for 12 months, attempted my life was 275 pounds at the heaviest and then the fear of losing my safety net was greater than that addiction and so i made a full recovery kept my legs and then did nine more years in the marine corps um but then had seven traumatic brain injuries and a lot of things happened that weren't good and my body was decimated bleeding on my brain fluid on my brain But I was blessed in Afghanistan after losing my dad to cancer and becoming his caregiver after having the child that I had. So healing all those wounds and not speaking to my mother for 15 years and showing up at her front door with my now wife uh, because I realized I would never be able to have a wife unless I had a relationship with my mother. And so all these pieces just happening. And um, I found paleo. And I started eating paleo and doing CrossFit in Afghanistan. And uh, I was bulimic for 15 years because of the sexual abuse. And when my hormones regulated, I realized I had celiac disease. And so when I started eating better, I felt better. And I didn't want to binge anymore and purge anymore. And uh, so I just kind of got addicted to fitness and had to become the best at that. But that led to me wanting to heal bulimia. So I started making a recipe every day and posting it on social media. And so that's how I became an entrepreneur. I was just posting recipes until somebody asked me to make a blog. And I'm like, what's a blog? And I made a blog. And then the Marine Corps was like, hey, we're medically separating you. That means no benefits, no nothing. I'm out the door. And I was like, oh, shit. And so that was kind of how the game began. And um, I accidentally became an entrepreneur because then somebody asked me to make an ebook. I did. Made money. Asked me to make an app. I did. Number one in the world. Asked me to write a cookbook. I did. 22-week New York Times bestseller. Everyone said social media was broken because of the algorithm. So then I built a million followers to prove a point. And I spent my whole life being a man that everybody else said I should be thinking that that's how I was going to belong and be happy. And so I met mother ayahuasca and she helped a lot to the point where in seven days after writing one journal prompt and sitting with it for four days, got an answer. That's one sentence, which was to stand with structure in the face of resistance to create possibility. Which was when my shaman, my dear friend Brad said to me, your biggest problem is you're who everybody else wants you to be or who you think they want you to be. And you've never asked yourself who you want to be or why you're here or what's your purpose. And so you can come sit with the medicine when you can answer that question. Hmm. And so when that happened, it instantly hit me. And I was like, I can't be a food blogger anymore. This whole business is my addiction. I'm literally sharing my emotions with the world that aren't the full ones. So I don't have to be intimate with those closest to me, like my family and all these generational trauma patterns that I claim to be breaking for my kids. I am recreating with a new lens. Holy shit. And so I was like, I have to give it away. And everybody told me to sell it. They said, I shouldn't do it. I shouldn't do it. No, don't do it. And we were probably six weeks away from bankruptcy. And my wife was like maybe eight weeks away. My wife was like seven months pregnant. And so I had that clarity. And for the first time in my life, I made the first adult decision that said, I'm doing this for me and only me. And I have to do it. And I trusted myself enough to do it. And I called a friend because he came to me on my journey. And that was who I said I should give it to. He said, yes, I, I framed it. I know it sounds crazy. He still runs it to this day. And then I gave it away. And three weeks later, I got a phone call from uh, my friend, Sean Stevenson. And he's like, hey, I'm at Jim Quick's house. We miss you. We're doing a mastermind on Monday. We wanted to see if you could come up. We'd all love to see you. And I was like, yeah. I didn't tell him anything that was going on. She opened the room. There's 22 people who I all know from Tucker Max to Aubrey Marcus to Jim to Michael Fishman to Sean Stevenson. You name it. They were in there. Everybody's so fucking happy-go-lucky. And they get to me, and I tell them everything how miserable my life is. I'm about to go bankrupt, and nobody even responds. Nobody, not one fucking person, which led to a very, very big breakthrough in my life. That basically, you can feel like shit, we don't care. That's not why we're in this room, mm. right? Commitment isn't feelings. Commitment is, regardless of how I feel, I'm going to keep my word to myself and understand that feelings are just part of the equation and distractions. They just get in the way. You just give them a cup of coffee, acknowledge they're there, ask what they're doing and say, okay, cool. I understand that I feel a little scared, but I have to do this anyways, because this is what's going to get me closer to where I want to go. And so by accident, we get into this round table and somebody asks a question about Facebook. Tucker answers it. I was like, that's dumb, Tucker. I was not in a good mood. And he's like, what the fuck would you do? And so I go up there and I answer for five minutes and then literally nobody says a word. So I'm like, well, I guess I'm just done. I just tanked. And I went and sat down and they're like, no, 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 no. Go back up and teach it for 45 minutes. And I was like, huh? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. what are you talking about? And I was like, well, this is how I did it. And I taught this class. And of the 22 people in the room, 20 of them that day offered to hire me. And I didn't know that you could get paid to teach somebody what you knew. And every one of them like, yeah, no, no, no. Why would you pay me? I don't. And they're like, you need to teach this to our team or help us. And then a few of them said, we're in a tight spot. We can give you 50% of whatever we make. And I was like, okay. And so I just went in a day, rewrote their emails, rewrote their customer journeys. And then I doubled and tripled most of their businesses in two weeks. And so I made like a half a million dollars when I was like four weeks away from bankruptcy after I gave away the business that everybody said I should never give away. And I trusted myself enough and I created this brand new self-trust and this new business arose out of nowhere. And I'm actually still driving down that road, except when I started that road, I brought some of those old behaviors in and I was more interested in using the business as leverage to be friends with people that I admired, not because of who they were as people, because of who they were in the world. Yeah. And my ego is dancing everywhere. And so COVID was then the second biggest gift, which led to where I am today, which is literally the happiest, healthiest, clearest, most aligned that I've ever been. And so for me, uh, about three years ago, I found this audio message in my phone yesterday. And I can tell you the moment where I found the leaks because I was 237 pounds. I'm 170 right now. Um, So for those in kilos, that's like 108 kilos. And now I'm like 73 kilos, something like that. And um, I was sitting there and I just broke down in tears and I opened my phone and I'm a verbal processor and I was been avoiding doing it. I just started talking. And I started talking about how I was feeling, what was happening, and I was like, got into it and I was like, holy shit, I've been avoiding nature. Go on a hike, put my shoes on, 104 degrees out, which is like my favorite time to train. Just feels like I like the pain a little bit, compression into like that emotional state. And during the hike, I opened it again and I start recording it and I'm talking through my old habits and behaviors. And then I realized when I was walking, like a year prior, I stopped journaling. Like I stopped writing down the things that I was thinking about, these like very, very simple things. And so then literally that day, I whipped out my journal again, and I literally just committed to consistency, like literally consistency. And I literally made a model for myself that now I get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to teach for people to use for their customers, but it was my accountability model to get better. And so I literally wrote down on a piece of paper who I wanted to be in the future and what was one behavior in my mindset was one behavior in my state of being, what was one behavior in my body. And then what was one behavior in my business that I could do every day that irregardless of how I felt, Mm -hmm. I could look at that piece of paper and say, if my choice today is to not take my life, Which I made a commitment I would never do again because I understand my purpose and all my friends that are no longer here and all those Marines that I lost and the ones that gave their life. Like, no, no, no. Like, I have children. I have a purpose. I don't care how I feel. Hmm. I'm saying that I don't get to choose to commit slow self suicide by not taking action every day because being a human being is taking action, it requires action. It requires us to tune the dial in constantly. And so I wrote it on a piece of paper and I was like, I've set myself to fail my whole life because I put my finish line where I thought everybody wanted it. Here's what I'm gonna do. I wrote, I need to work out for an hour a day. Mindset, I need to consume at least 30 minutes of personal development until I find one thing. The moment I find one thing, I integrate it and I keep doing that every day until I know it. And then I pick the next one my my uh my body was the movement uh my state of being was future self journaling i would pick three words to describe the man i wanted to be that day and then write down one way to give it to my family one way to give it to my team and one way to give it to my customers and then in the business it was the one needle mover which was the podcast and so then I made a floor and a ceiling and I called it the wedge of expectations. So the ceiling is on my dream day when I feel great, I'm clear on my vision. I know who I am as a man. Like, what am I going to do? And I'm like, I'm going to work out for an hour a day, right? And on my mindset, it was like hitting the bar, right? And in my, um, in my state of being, it was hitting that bar as well. And then in the business, I would do over and over, right? So like in the business, it was like, I'll record three podcasts a day right? Because I'm like, on a good day, I can hit three because I'm in flow. Let's go, right? And so that's my ceiling. The reason I lost my whole life is because I only ever set the ceiling. And so then if something happened in my day, and I was upset or emotional, I didn't feel like I could go to the gym for an hour because the drive there felt impossible. I was crying too much. I was upset, right? Or I was so upset emotionally, the thought of being on a video podcast like literally gave me panic attacks, right? Even as like known in the world as like one of the best customer journey guys or the best email marketing guys or the best guy to help you scale your business, right? The demons and darkness is there. And so then the second question I asked myself is on my worst day, when everything is against me, but I realize that I have to make a choice to live, what's the minimum I can commit to? And so the minimum I could commit to for the first 90 days was just driving my car to the gym parking lot by 7 a.m. every day with the goal to be five. And I just had to stay there for 20 minutes. That then later turned into a minimum of a 20-minute walk outside, regardless of weather, right? With my mindset, mm-hmm. it started with the personal development. But if I literally couldn't consume It was a meditation practice and it was a one minute meditation. Mm -hmm. And so I had a literally ceiling and a floor. And so then the commitment that I made to myself is that irregardless of how I feel, those behaviors are done first during the day before I do anything else. And if at any point in my day something goes wrong, I need to make sure I've done those. Because if I haven't, I promise you the answer I'm looking for is most likely in one of those behaviors. And I use that to hold myself accountable consistently. And now, because of that shedding that happened two and a half years ago in the business and in my physical body and the emotional release of coming into alignment and integrity everywhere, at 40 years old, I am literally the happiest, the healthiest, clearest. Like Nothing feels easier than living to me right now. Beautiful. And I will tell you that the storms outside are the strongest that they have ever been like multiple seven figures, strongest in loss and in restructuring an entire company, our entire model, all our entire delivery mechanisms in the last three months, entire team realigning life, multiple exits out of companies that I was in and they weren't good. And like, I've never been happier. I literally just feel like, thank you for all the space. And I just get to create every day. And it's just this cool place. So I found the leak and the leak was leaky. So I got to the point of like, oh, well, I know I journaled every day. And then my ego convinced myself I didn't need a journal anymore. Well, I facilitate breath work. So, I mean, I don't really have to do it every day, do I? Like I'm teaching it, right? Like, hey, I know I teach all these principles, right? And I'm doing them, but I'm like, I kind of like how I look. I'm okay with it, right? And I just started creating all these microscopic back doors. But because on paper, I was so successful, I also only surrounded myself with people that wouldn't hold me accountable, that wouldn't sharpen my blade, that wouldn't literally be like, hey, uh uh-uh. Or just whose mere presence would hold me to a higher standard out of my respect for them
1: Hmm.
0: knowing, right? Because most of it wasn't conscious. Like I really always wanted to look and feel like I do now, but the triggers got sneaky, right? And then some of the behaviors that were good just became habits instead of things that I was actually embodying, right? It's really easy to close my eyes and do breath work for five minutes and be like, all right, four minutes, three minutes, two <laughs> minutes. You're right. And then it's really not yeah. easy sometimes to um, have that feel minute, four minutes or five minutes feel like an eternity. Yeah. Right. The one, the one
1: word that's, that sticks out is, is embodiment. It's mm-hmm. like that journey to embodying, how you know, knowing, do, knowing, doing, being, and like being. Yeah, I, I, being. We, we
0: say being, doing, having.
1: After you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. We, we say B do have, have and uh, yeah. And that, you know, like, and here's what it, <laughs> I got punished on some plant medicine journeys when I went back there and the message I received was, oh, you think you're missing some magic answer in a magic box? Uh-uh. You, you took the red pill. There is nothing left for you except integration and integrity every day and every lesson that you have left to learn and every book that you have not found is only going to come from you doing that. Oh, and by the way, and any questions that you ever get will only ever be able to be answered by yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, and so then I'm like, Oh, okay. Got it. I I think
1: you touched upon one of the biggest things for me around integration and change, which is having people around you that you can trust because as you get, as we evolve, our coping mechanisms get better. Like it, it, in yes. collective, in a collective yes. sense, but in a, like, yes. They're well, but, sneaky. Let's facilitate this. Surely They're that's sneaky. me doing the thing. Yeah, They're sneaky. Yeah. So yeah. Ha- oh my God. Having people around you, you can truly trust to, not just call you in, but in a, in a healthy way. Like it's such a big part of integration. So could we talk about some like real, practical tangible things around integration and what that process is like for you now when you see see the thing okay social media let's just scroll until i see the thing i connect with it okay I I'm, i need that like well, what how where does that then okay now it's the time how to because i want to embody it so i can fucking can I, it.
0: are you asking me are you asking me to give more house because i would love to yeah yeah go for it okay cool because like A lot of people, I say this on my podcast all the time, I'm like, if you ask me how, I'm going to fly across the country and kick you in the shins, right? And there's like a rule at my event. If you ask me how, I'm going to fine you, right? But it's not really because you're asking me how. It's because of when you're asking me how, and you're asking me how to tell you how to put a brick in your vision that only you can put in, and the only reason is because you're missing the what and the why. So a lot of people ask for how, and they only have the what or how or why and how, and you need the what and the why. And so for everybody listening to this, based on how you framed questions for me, based on how you've communicated, based on how you pre-framed the first question, the level of awareness is that everybody has on this podcast that listens based on you in sharing my story has an understanding of what we're talking about in the power and magic of integration and how it's the only secret and why it matters. Because with all the evidence and story I shared, I had everything that everybody is convinced that they wanted and I was the most unhappy, unaligned, and it felt impossible to keep. Right. And so everybody has that. So then when I give the how, you'll also recognize that when you get to those places, the only how is you have 80%. The other 20% is your creative expression because it has to align for you. So the example I will give is like, if you think about love languages, we know that every human being has a love language. Right. And, uh, or if you believe that to be true, not speaking for you, sorry, didn't want to put a wall up. Um, (laughs) but like, if you believe in that, um, like let's say touch, right. But just because both of our significant others like touch, if you ask me how I touch my wife to fill her bucket, and I tell you, but your wife doesn't like it, it is not going to help you or her, and it's going to create a wound, not something of benefit, right? That's what I mean by 80% is we agree that touch and touch, and they both want touch. The 20% is how you touch her. In my opinion, I lost most of my clients lost and all the people I coach lost is because they were too busy hitting copy and paste and they were building everybody else's vision and not their own. They were building somebody else's marriage, somebody else's program, somebody else's body, somebody else's (laughs) mindset. (laughs) And I finally had enough cognitive dissonance in my life to realize that I was a byproduct of everything I consumed because I refused to pick up my own fucking paintbrush. That was really, truly, truly the secret. Mm -hmm. And so now I have no problem. I love giving people the hows when you get that and you understand that we have the same ingredients and we agree that these recipes belong on the menu, but your flavor is yours. Just because I say I do a 30-minute stillness practice, minimum every day, and yes, I would die on that hill. If you don't have that belief, then don't do it. Mm -hmm. But when you objected to it, what's the one that popped into your brain? Do that one. That's what I mean, right? Like it's just a, and the example I'll give people is both in things that you learn and feedback that people give you. Think about all the music that people listen to. Do you intentionally remember every single lyric? No. Mm. Then why the fuck do you try to memorize every piece of negative feedback people give you or copy and paste identically every lyric that I give you? Don't. You're not supposed to. But if it inspires you or if you like it or if it triggers another one that you like better, then you've won the game. That's the whole point. And so just remember that when it comes to the how. So for me, the easy way that I do this, and this applies to any single human being, it doesn't matter if you are an entrepreneur, if you work for an entrepreneur, if you work in a company, if you're unemployed, I don't give a shit. Doesn't matter. I believe in the state of the world. There are two states of being that I live in. There's the state of building myself As a lighthouse, which is the analogy that I use, right? To give my light to the world, to have a purpose greater than myself, right? And when people ask me how I measure my success, for me, I now summarize and I say, don't give a fuck how many people come to my funeral. I don't care how many people post about me online. All I care about is how many people silently show up to support my family when I'm no longer here without them knowing. That's it. That's how I measure my day when I put my head on the pillow. Did I make enough deposits in enough people at a deep enough level with no agenda to make sure that if tomorrow I got hit by a car, that no matter where they are, what's going on, that an army of people would assemble and get their asses to Montana and my family would never have to make a decision for the rest of their life. That's how I measure my success. And so I believe that we all have a purpose as a human to build ourselves, to be aware of ourselves. And as Sadhguru said in an interview with Mike Tyson, which, by the way, is one of my favorite fucking interviews in the world, Mike Tyson and Sadhguru interviewing each other. It's on YouTube. Everybody go watch it, okay? Um, That's a requirement. That's why you heard it. That's why the universe has you listening to this right now. It's not an accident. Um, But he talks about, Sadhguru says that we get this vehicle, right? Our bodies are our vehicles for our soul. We're issued this vehicle, but we never take the time to open and read the owner's manual. And then when something breaks or something happens, instead of opening the owner's manual, we go ask somebody else who drives a different car, what's wrong with our check engine light, right? That's basically the premise, right? And so for me, I'm like, even if you work in a company, you have an identity outside of that company. And that's who do you want to be? Right, So that's part one for me. And then part two is then taking that person and applying it to whatever bucket you want to apply it to. Right, For me, that's my business. For somebody else, it might be just their job function or role. So that's where I wrote out that wedge of expectations. So under my mindset, I, I have three behaviors I do every day. For me, under my body, I focus on my sleep, nutrition, my diet to make sure I hit my goals. And then with my state of being, I do a lot of consciousness, mindset, personal development thing. There's three things. And then in my business, I have three very clear income generating, um, impact generating, like record the podcast, right? You know, uh, fill the event, rewrite curriculum, work on this, right? Like very clear things. And for each behavior, I have the ceiling and the floor. And with the ceiling and the floor, I know on my best day, like what well, my goal is not minimum every day, because it says that if I do these every day, I'm going to be that man. I said, I wanted want it to be in six months or a year. And I'm going to have that business I want, because these are all tangible, measurable things. And so that goes into place. And that's my bare minimum every day. I just have to hit the floor in each one of those every day. But if I hit them all, then in the business, I have a whole, whole big pool of things to choose from to focus my time and energy on. So then I created a model called the SOS model. And this is the model that I have to get back on task if something happens. And I'll explain it really quickly because I also have a podcast breaking it all down and I can send it to you and you can post it in your show notes for everybody. But it's basically inner tools, inner circle, outer circle. Inner tools is anything that you can do right now if we said pause as a pattern interrupt to get back into your body and out of whatever negative emotional state might be happening right so for me it's instantly to go outside for a walk breath works number two a song that i have a specific spotify playlist called mindset change and it's my three favorite songs that change my state of mind is number three uh going through photos of my kids is number four and then i have a song that's like my no shit i know this one works every time right Those are my inner tools. And in parentheses, it says, set a timer for five minutes, right? So if you open your iPhone in the notes, I make my clients make this. And the only pinned note in their iPhone is this. And it says SOS. And then they screenshot it and make it the background of their phone. And so that's what the top section is, one through five. Then inner circle is nine people who hold you accountable to your potential, but don't believe your story. That you pre-brief when you make this and you say, if I ever send you this word, I'm going to text you or call you, and I need you to be radically honest with me. And then you have the outer circle, outer tools, which are these are resources that we forget about that we have when we're in a heightened emotional state. And so then if you're ever in your day and you find yourself in a self-sabotaging behavior or in the death scroll and you catch it, you immediately go to the SOS and there's no thinking involved. And those nine people, you also pin in the top nine of your messages on your iPhone. So the 200 times a day you look at your messages, it's environmentally anchored in. This reason that you created that brief with them and told them who you wanted to be. And if you apply any specific clarity from any breathwork, any goal, any workout plan, any mindset goal you have into a model like that, I promise you it's just a matter of a when and not if.
1: Incredible. I somewhat didn't pay attention to what your integration process looked like, because I was still impacted by the way you framed that in the first place. And I know we got to wrap up here.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, so, so basically with that, I'll just, I, I can, I can talk about the integration process, right? No, 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 so for no, no. me,
1: it was kind of like, I was so focused on the what and the why being the 80%. And the 20 is essentially me knowing what I need to fucking do, which is the same is going back to the quote of Mike Tyson saying, you know what you need, but just do that fucking thing. Everyone knows how to integrate, but it's like tuning back into this. And that's what we don't do.
0: So I have one other thing to share that I can share in 60 seconds that will summarize my integration. When I gave away that company, I also on Ayahuasca had the clarity that the reason I was stuck is because I was building everybody else's businesses because all I do, everybody else's visions, because all I was doing was consuming. So when you consume, you're building my vision. When you Mm -hmm. create, you're building your own. So when I gave away that company, the gap in between is I didn't consume any content for three years, three years. And all I did was create. So every time I had a shitty emotion or a shitty feeling and I wanted to hide, I couldn't. So I went live on Facebook and I talked about it. I went live on Instagram and I talked about it. I recorded a video about it. And everyone's like, how how did you get all these clients? Where did all these people come from? And so I was like, well, instead of consuming, I created." So the moment I get clarity, I immediately am like, that's all I need is just one bite at a time. And that's how I do it.
1: Beautiful, man. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you jumping on here. Yeah.
0: And listen, man, if you listen, I love this. I know I talked the whole time, but if you ever (laughs) want to do a part two or a part three or a longer one, like I'm totally down. Let's book
1: it in. We'll we'll do it. Okay. Just
0: just email email Ashley. And then, uh, yeah, should we tell everybody where they should find me or do you do that in the intro? I'll do
1: that. I'll do it. Don't worry, man. Cool. Um, Appreciate you. Appreciate your time. Appreciate what you're building and how you're moving. The last couple of years have clearly been... Uh, yeah big process but it's uh
0: this, this year yeah this year I I know my next call is fine I have a minute but this year is the year that the the universe and my work reminded me that I've been teaching everybody the Bible and this is the year that I have to integrate my own Bible page by page and I'm in like you know from January of this year like probably the biggest final shed that just feels like creation and love from this point on in every bucket. And so it's actually interesting because all I want to do is like be on the field. And it's like, I'm excited to rebuild everything from the ground up to just literally to be able to give whatever I want to charity, to whatever I want to the world, to pay people, whatever I want. Like it's, it's the most beautiful thing ever. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about this yeah. year.
1: I'll be, I'll leave on the one thing I've, i I think it was Trevor who who i first listened to you on which was just incredible amazing guy and i had him on the podcast amazing man um but the one thing you said about it's so simple is when someone asks you how you are like don't rob yourself of that experience like speak directly to it it's so powerful and it's changed a lot for me as the honest i'm telling you (laughs) it's so simple it's like
0: it's a magic trick and for everybody this is the perfect way to rap because i literally have 30 seconds this is an easy thing if somebody asks you how you are, instead of saying good, be honest and be like, you know, I spilled my coffee, traffic sucked, and I had a lot of negative thoughts, but it's nice to see you. Or if you see somebody ask you, be like, wait, no, how are you really? I'm telling you, it's like a magic trick. It will change the game for you. I do it everywhere, all the time. It's like literally a freedom slip to presidents. It's just boom, yeah. game on. So everybody do it. Remember that relationships will always beat algorithms, and you will either see me in the next episode or you will hear me in your earballs. But either way, we're out.